Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Disney fans and welcome to another episode of Disney vs. Disney Debates, the podcast where we aim to figure out exactly what is the best Disney film ever made. I am Zane C. Weber. I'm your grandmaster here with my faithful fact checker, Julie Eisentrager. Oh, hey, hey. How you going, Julie? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, good. And watching any Disney lately? Not really. Well, let's <laughs> remedy that. <laughs> I have two return debaters this week, two ladies who have debated before and unfortunately not always won. Let's see if we can fix that today, shall we, Roz? Roz Howie, how are you? I am well. How are you? I am very good. Now, Roz, who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? Oh, I am... Roz, I am from Brisbane, uh, and I am, when I'm not doing podcasty stuff like this, I'm also an improviser. The best kind of person. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and across the table is none other than Stacey Hobbs. You! And who are you, Stacey? What do you do? What are you about? Well, I am a previous winner on this Debate. It's just true. to be clear, just some fact, sorry, Julie, for fact checking, but just fact check <laughs> jumping in. That's with correct. That. Um, no, I'm a registered psychologist and a registered teacher, um, and just I do an overachiever. Oh, is that mate. that's what I'm getting? I love a lot of activity in my life, um, apparently, <laughs> um, and I do musical theatre, and I love Disney. I love Disney. You love Disney. Mm, mm-hmm. What Disney movie do you love the best? Oh, The Lion King, of course. <laughs> and, of course, that's what you're arguing for today. <laughs> that is correct. Wonderful. And what are you arguing for today, Rose? I am arguing for The Aristocats. It's The Cat. Yeah. It's The Cat Disney podcast today. So Brilliant. before we get into it, mm. I'll just remind you all of the format. Yes. So you will each have three minutes to make your opening statements. You'll get a warning bell at two minutes. And then I'll cut you off at three. And that's to tell us what's good about your film and why it is the best Disney film ever. That will be followed by a follow-up round, a two-minute rebuttal as to why your opponent's film is not the best Disney film ever. We'll then take a break and come back with an open discussion and some questions about things that have been brought up during the debate. Then we will have a one-minute summation from each of our debaters and then I will make my decision. Is that all kosher and clear? Perfectly clear. Thank you. Sounds good. But I will warn our viewers, I will use the word iconic a lot. So <laughs> if you are at home and if you are wanting to play particular drinking games, game. mm-hmm. that's the word to look for. Saturday morning is the time for drinking games. That's, the, <laughs> that's, that's, that's just how Disney does it, right? 
<laughs> totally. Saturday morning Disney drinking. That's that's the way. <laughs> so we have five categories uh, that I am looking for and marking. Uh, so number one is the memorable moments. So what makes the movie memorable and special? The message. What is the message that your movie put, gives to its audience? Uh, the movie magic. What makes your film a better film uh, than your opponents? The magic music which is self-explanatory, and then a catch-all topic, which is that Disney touch. What has your film done that no one other than Disney could have done? Okay, so we have rolled a dice to determine who goes first. Roz won the roll and decided very bravely, I might say, to go first. me, brave. (laughs) So brave. So, Roz, you will have... Three minutes to make your opening statement and your time starts as soon as you start talking. Okay. The Aristocats, released in 1970, tells the story of an aristocratic family of cats, Duchess and her three kittens, who are catnapped by their mistress's evil butler, Edgar, when he finds out they are set to inherit the entirety of her fortune. He dumps them in the countryside where, with the help of smooth-talking alley cat Thomas O'Malley, they must make their way back to their Parisian home. Inspired by the true story of a Parisian family of cats that inherited a fabulous fortune, it was Disney's 20th animated feature film. It features the vocal talents of Phil Harris, who also voiced Baloo the Bear and Little John, Eva Gabor, who also featured as Miss Bianca in The Rescuers, and Scatman Crothers. It was the last film to be approved by Disney before his death in 1966. Nearly 50 years after its release, this film remains fresh and enjoyable. The characters are relatable and wonderfully human. The rough-and-tumble O'Malley who oozes cheek and self-confidence, Scat Cat and his gorgeously bohemian motley of a band, and the elegant Duchess and her cheeky kittens. There is also wonderful slapstick humour provided by the butler Edgar and the hillbilly hounds Lafayette and Bonaparte. Now, the quality of Disney's animation for, this fil- for films in this period does come in for a fair bit of criticism, but I like the animation in this film. While maybe not as technically perfect as some other films, to me the overall look is harmonious. The backgrounds are beautiful and perfectly evoke the streets of Paris as well as the French countryside. I personally think that the occasional roughness in the animation enhances rather than detracts from the overall effect. The backgrounds have a slightly muted and impressionistic feel, and I think the rougher animation helps the characters sit in that background a little better in comparison to something like The Rescuers where there was a stark contrast between the landscape backgrounds and the animated cells. Now, while I'm not going to deny the magnificence of the music of The Lion King, to my mind the music of The Aristocrats works with the story better. In The Lion King, I get a very strong sense of actors who are breaking character, turning to the audience and delivering a performance. In The Aristocats, the music is part and parcel of the story. The opening song, sung by Maurice Chevalier, who was coaxed out of retirement specifically to do it, sets the French, sets the French atmosphere perfectly. Thomas O'Malley's first introduction to us with his song, O'Malley the Alley Cat, it suits him so well. He is just the type of character that would saunter along singing exactly that type of song about himself. And the creme de la creme is, of course, Scat Cat and his band with the fabulous, jazzy, everybody wants to be a cat. Scat Cat was modelled on Louis Armstrong, and he was originally slated to be played by him until he had to pull out due to illness. The message in this film is the importance of loyalty and a warning against greed. Towards the end of the film, Duchess chooses her love and loyalty to Madame over a life with Thomas O'Malley, and it is not wealth or comfort that draws her back to her old life, but her concern for and loyalty to the mistress who loves her and will be missing her. Edgar stupidly betrays his loyalty to Madame and the trust she has in him when he allows greed to override him, an unbelievably stupid action. He would still enjoy the benefits and comforts of Madame's wealth while the cats were alive, but that's not enough for him. He has to own it absolutely, and in that he engineers his own downfall. Well, right on time. Well done. 
So that is a lot of information. Well done. Uh, we'll pass straight over to to Stacey unless there's any fact-checking that needs to be done, Julie. Oh, my fingers. They were just <laughs> flying on the keyboard. No, nothing. It's all correct. Well done. Okay. So, Stacey, you will have three minutes with a warning at two and your time starts as soon as you start talking. Okay, so The Lion King is the Disney B project that has produced some of the most iconic imagery in the entire Disney catalogue. Who could forget the iconic opening scene of the sun rising, the iconic scene of Rafiki holding Simba up on Pride Rock um, to a sea of African wildlife, the stampede and Mufasa's really sad death, Simba's ageing montage, Scar's Nazi-like steam-filled power ballad, Mufasa's face majestically appearing in the clouds and last but not least... A meerkat doing the hula. <laughs> These scenes and many others others have embedded themselves in the popular culture ever since, from everyday life. And I mean, who hasn't held an animal or a stuffed, you know, or a baby like above their heads and sung the circle of like who hasn't done that? To TV shows such as Modern Family, The Simpsons, and Doctor Who. This movie has so many incredible, me- uh, memorable moments. But not only were they memorable, they were so iconic and pioneering. So the 3D effects used for the film, particularly the stampede, where they had hundreds of, um, oh gosh, I've forgotten the name, ah, um, running down the the hill. These were done. Wildebeest, thank you. In 3D animation, this was um, pioneered at the time. This was completely new. The opening sequence of the Circle of Life was so strong that they just used that scene for the trailer. They were like, this is perfect. We're going to do this. And they were so excited about it. They put a bunch of zebras in there and stripes are real hard to animate by hand. (laughs) And they had zebras running through dust. That was amazing at the time. It was incredible. Now, Accompanying the Circle of Life is this incredible score. The music in this is perfection, written by Tim Rice and Elton John, as well as Hans Zimmer doing the score. It is amazing. It won um, a bunch of awards, particularly Can You Feel the Love Tonight, which is such a beautiful ballad of love and affection. Um, But also you've got Akuna Matata, which is just hilarious and such a wonderful juxtaposition um, in this score. We have got um, African... Um, lyrics. We have got that African rhythm music. It is iconic and it fits the scenery of the movie. Now, there is an incredible voice cast, including five people of colour in the principal cast, including James L. Jones as Mufasa, um, Madge Sinclair as Sarabi, and uh, Robert Gillame as Rafiki, who was amazing. We have got also this really strong message. This is one of those movies and um, that really confronted death in a really um, – and I know predecessor movies have uh, and the Disney canon have addressed this, but in a really deep way we actually saw Mufasa's body. We saw the impact that they have and we on a small child and we saw the repercussions of that. And we also had this incredible dad, such an incredible father who was such an incredible um, and iconic um, dad – all right, that Ooh. is your time. Well done. Ah! Strong debates, ladies. <laughs> May I please clarify something yes. from you, Stacey? Yes. When you're talking about 3D animation, yes. what are you referring so to? So there were 3D effects that were developed mm-hmm. for this movie. Mm-hmm. So this stampede um, featured 3D um, effects for mm-hmm. that and then there was another one on not sure if I've got it notated, but I think it was 
um, the spin around on Pride Rock. Um, I can't quite remember, but the Stampede was one of the ones that was like. Okay. Yeah. All right. Was pioneered for this movie. Hang with me. Yeah, go But on. I do believe they used the same 3D animation in Beauty and the Beast for the ballroom. But not quite in the same way where they're animating individual. So what they had to do is animate these individual wildebeest. So they generated them and then generated a random pattern so that they all like moved around. So yes, while in Beauty and the Beast in that scene, they like panned around. This is where they got individual moving creatures and animated them randomly down the down like this thing so it's a, right. it's a very different technique and it was really new at the time okay i'm happy with that all right well we will throw back to roz for two minute rebuttal as to why the lion king is not the best disney film ever your time starts when you start talking and i will cut you off without warning at two minutes okay So for my rebuttal, I'm actually going to talk to two points, which is the reinforcement of negative stereotypes and what I see is the true message of The Lion King. So if we dig beneath the visually stunning exterior, the carefully orchestrated songs and the music, some very disturbing elements begin to emerge in this movie. First of all, it reinforces some really uncomfortable stereotypes with subtle elements of homophobia and racism. And to my mind, these are all the more disturbing because they are so subtle. They reinforce prejudices in a way that we're invited to just slide our gaze over and accept rather than confronting or questioning them. Scar, for example, is quite effeminate, implying that he is gay. Now, this is a device which has been used in other Disney films, notably Jafar in Aladdin. Scar is also black-maned, making the principal villain an allegory for a black gay man. The racial slur is further enhanced by the character of Shenzi, this chief hyena, who is very clearly a black woman. So we have the subtle vilification of minority groups, which is really not cool. If we also consider the social structure of this community that we're supposed to admire, and what I see is the true message of the film. Under the mask of the rather simplified metaphor of the circle of life, we see a troop of herbivores literally bowing down and worshipping their apex predator, the very animal that is going to hunt it down and devour it. And the sop that is thrown to us of the lions themselves ultimately dying and becoming grass to feed the herbivores really doesn't cut it. It's no comparison to being hunted down, dragged to earth and having your entrails ripped out, most likely while you're still alive. If we think of this as a metaphor for human society, effectively what they are setting us up, setting up for, our adulation, is an absolute monarchy ruled by a patriarch where physical strength and inheritance by blood count for more than anything else. When you push aside all the pretty wrapping, the emotional beats of the story, the impressive animation and the swelling chords, really all that the Lion King is at its heart is a patriarch, patriarchal capitalist propaganda that reinforces the notion that the strong and the beautiful and the winners and too bad for everyone else. Pulling uh, no punches. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Like I couldn't even fa- – the only thing I could fact check that was to Google, is Scar from the Lion King gay? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Internet consensus <laughs> – it's pretty gay, apparently. It, it has been an ongoing meme for the last few years. Well, I guess the last few decades that Disney villains are usually coded as gay. Mm, the big gay villain. Wow. Yeah. The, it Where kind have of I been? 
Ursula mm. is another Ursula, one. Right. Uh, the bomb. Even Maleficent, like yeah. living that by really herself. Why yeah. on earth? Seriously. I must be living under a rock. <laughs> Girl. I haven't been doing Well done, research. Roz. Uh, congratulations on that argument. Uh, so what we'll do now is we'll, we will throw to Stacey. Uh, so you will have two minutes to tell us why the Aristocats is not the best Disney film ever made. Your time starts when you start talking and I will cut you off without warning when your time is up. So in defense of the Lion King, Simba is raised pretty much by two gay dads. So I don't really see how it can be homophobic. Scar is a really satisfying villain. He is clever. He is sarcastic. He's witty. He's really interesting to watch and he's within the family and that manipulation is just creepy. So I really just, I think he's awesome. So I don't really think that's a slur against him. Um, Circle of life. Yes. Look, animals, science, these things, these facts. I think the circle of life is actually a beautiful allegory and explains that bad things happen because we live in a world where bad things happen. Now, Aristocats, I know you talked about the beautiful animation and look, I think it's scratchy, unfinished and distracting, to be honest. Um, it feels unfinished. There's a scene at the start where the madam hands the horse a carrot. There ain't nothing in her hand. <laughs> it is empty. She's like, here you go. And he eats nothing there's there's so many moments in this movie that it seems like bits are missing there's parts where the madam is walking with the scarf and the scarf is weirdly shuffling and moving because of this scratchy animation it's distracting and just there is zero mention of the kitten's father either by the way what happened to him why was he just scorned from this family there are so many plot holes in this movie and nothing really seems to happen um we've got just weird characters. We've got this weird side plot with the goose and Uncle Waldo. What's that going on about? We've got this really um, mostly filler scenes in this movie that don't really seem to be serving the plot and in, in the memorable moments really don't. We've got racist undertones. We've got a cat called Shangon talking in a lisp, playing a piano with chopsticks. <laughs> That's not okay. We have got... All sorts of weird. Waldo is a whole nother thing. He is not. He should not be in a kid's movie. That is just weird. O'Malley is essentially singing his own theme song by just singing his name over and over again. I mean, a bit lame as we know. Anyone who knows, watches The Emperor's New Groove knows that's real lame. Um, and most of all, there's not really a take-home message. There's not really any substance. There's no real buy Okay. That is time. All right. Well, that is a lot to take in, ladies. So uh, what we'll do is we will take a break. We'll come back with open discussion uh, and some questions uh, about what the points that you've already brought up. Uh, before we throw uh, to the break, though, is there any facts that need to be checked, Julie? Look, as fast as my fingers could Google, <laughs> nothing there. I did try Googling Aristocats, no carrot in hand. Do you know what? <laughs> It's very hard to find. <laughs> I thought it was a sugar lump. It's like a sugar lump and it's kind of I rewound that I was watching it and I was like, what just happened? And I rewound that scene like 600 times. I was laughing so hard. I just kept rewatching it and rewatching it and rewatching it and rewatching it because it, it, yeah. I'm just going to so have to try. She's legit. Stacey went crazy. <laughs> My husband was like, what is happening? I'm like, no, look at this scene where there's no carrot in it. <laughs> okay. Well, we will we'll take a short break and we will be back with uh questions and answers. All righty then. We are back with questions and answers. Now, I just have one question because both of you have given me a lot to work with 
about the music in your films. This is the mm. first, probably the first time that both films have been really strong in this one area. Mm. So I would like each of you to talk a little bit about at, just give you a bit of free time at length to talk about the music in your film and why it's so great. So we'll start with Roz um, and whenever you're ready and no time and, yeah. Okay, so just, again, to reiterate what I said in my opening speech, um, I, I absolutely do not deny the magnificence of the Lion King music. It is, it is fabulous. They're wonderful songs and wonderful music. But it, I did have the, that just that very, very strong sense. It was, it was like, yeah, like, like a, an actor just, just breaking character, turning to the audience and going, now I'm performing my song and then going back to the action. Uh, I felt that the music in The Aristocats is just much more smoothly integrated with story and it's more part of the narrative and more, uh, I guess, compatible with the characters themselves. Yeah, yeah. They're, so like, they're musicians and so yeah, music yeah. is part well, of the story. Yeah, that too. And then, you know, and just, I mean, O'Malley's song is just gorgeous. He's, you can just see him. He's just that kind of guy who struts along going, yeah, I'm O'Malley, I'm the alley cat, and he's just cooling with it. And it's just, it fits him so beautifully. <laughs> and also the way they use uh, instrumental music to introduce character and set scene. Um, like for me, the big one was the the, the two geese <laughs> when they're first introduced. They've got this yeah, fantastic yeah. march. And as soon as that music starts and they're waddling over the hill, you know who these <laughs> ladies are. You, you just know them. They're, they're there, they're in your head already. You, they hardly need to talk. It's, it's so good. And I think that that's why I, I really love the music in this film. Yeah, fair enough. So, so uh, Stacey. <laughs> What more can you tell us about the, oh, the music in Lion King? There is so much more I can tell you about the music in this <laughs> film. Um, the music, I think we've got two separate but very cohesive parts to the music of this film, which is this incredible score um, by Hans Zimmer and um, with the choir, African music and choir arranged by Lebo M, who's a South African producer and composer. And he actually sang Circle of Life, which is like, Fun fact. So he, he is that voice that you hear yeah, at the start? The, yeah. The, that's him. That is the um, composer who wrote that, those yeah, parts wonderful. and implemented those parts. Um, and the fact that I think that they, um, that Hans brought on somebody who is deeply ingrained in that culture really set the tone um, for the entire movie. Um, the soundtrack in itself was incredibly successful. It was the fourth best-selling album of that year. It, was the, it is the only soundtrack for an animated film to be certified diamond 10 times platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. I know it was the soundtrack to my childhood. These songs were everywhere um, and they're really memorable and catchy. We've got Circle of Life which really sets up the whole tone, uses these really beautiful African chants. We've got I Just Can't Wait to Be King which um, integrated all this wonderful like wax African kind of um, prints as well in the, in the animation. We've got Be Prepared which is <laughs> iconic. <laughs> uh, it, it's so well done and Jeremy Irons, won an Academy Award for his vocal performance mm -hmm. and why wouldn't he? Because it's so stunning um, and the imagery just from the music and just listening to that song is fantastic. Um, Can You Feel Tonight, Love Tonight, great 90s ballad. It was on the end of the film and I was like, yes, this is like the best end 90s pop cover. Um, Kuna Matata, which is just fun and really character building and really sets the tone again for those characters. Um and really, I think they all work so well together, so much, in fact, that a Broadway, very, very incredibly successful Broadway musical was inspired by this film and is still running today. And I think it's the um, 
um, oh, I do have the fact here, but it's it's really really run long running. It's like, it's close to the top ten, I believe. Yeah, yeah, really long long running. So I think the music and watching the movie again made me re-download the Broadway soundtrack as well. <laughs> and I've been listening because I was hardcore obsessed as as a kid and as a teenager with that soundtrack. Um, I just that think cast recording. Sorry, that cast <laughs> recording. Yes, but also the original also the film soundtrack. Film soundtrack as well. Um, I, it was the first film Disney, well, we really film soundtrack that I really connected with as yeah. a kid. And I think people are still, they're still singing it now with their cats in the air above their heads. <laughs> they're still singing it. Well, I think that the uh, music in Aristocats is charming. I don't think it's anywhere near as memorable, anywhere near as catchy, anywhere near as iconic or, um, or, uh, adopted by our culture. I okay. Think. Uh, do you have any questions for each other? Um, I do have a question, sure. um, running on from that. Um, I, um, just want to know, um, Roz, what, what legacy does the Aristocats have today and what effect does it have on people? Like now it was released in the seventies. Does it still, is it still mm. in our pop culture? Do people still influence in it by what's its legacy now? Yeah. I think it does still have a legacy. Uh, it's, I mean, it's one of the films that people remember. I mean, it is coming on to 50 years old and people do still remember it. I remember when I was, um, telling a friend of mine that I was doing this debate, she's like, oh, the Aristocats, that's an awesome film. So, you know, it, it's still there. It's still in, in people's uh, minds and culture. Um, I think the legacy of this film, it does come out of a, a period, I guess, where Disney was in a bit of a slump, I suppose. Um, it, that sort of period between the 70s and 80s is not recognised as one of their great periods. And I think that the Aristocats of those films, I think it stands out as one of the more memorable ones and one of the better ones that Disney did make in that time. Um I, I think the legacy of this film is that it is just a, a good-hearted, joyful, enjoyable film. Um, I'd like to talk again to the message of the film. You, you said that it didn't have a strong take-home message. I disagree with that. I think the message of, of loyalty and of, um, and of honour to your – yeah, the, the message of loyalty is, is very, very strong in this film. And, uh, yeah, it's um, – All right. Uh, Roz, do you have any questions for Stacey? No, 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 no particular questions. Okay. Uh, any facts to check, Julie? Yes, please. Stacey, can mm. you pretty please clarify mm-hmm. what accolade you said was given um, vocal performance? What did you so, say that was from? Oh, oh, hang on. That's somewhere on my many, many pages. <laughs> um, one moment. Was this the, the Jeremy Irons? Yes. Yeah, so Jeremy Irons won a Best achieve- Achievement in Voice Acting. Um, it is... Um, um, I think that was an Annie Award, yes. Annie Award Best okay. Achievement for Voice Acting yep, for that's Jeremy fine. Irons. I think earlier you may have said it was a Academy Award. Oh, yeah, it's like jumbled up with my list. Yeah, it was an <laughs> Annie Award. They're all like jammed in there. All right. Well, let's take another little break and we will come back with summaries and judgment. Okie dokie. So, closing arguments. Each of you will have one minute to summarise why your film is the best Disney film ever made and why your opponent's is not. And as is tradition now for the last 30 minutes, uh, Roz, you will be going first and your time starts as soon as you start talking. Okay. So The Aristocats is simply a film with a really, really good heart. Uh, the story is fun. The characters are believable and lovable. Uh, there is there is some. I mean, there are really good, strong um, 
I guess, uh, what I want to say, role models in this film as well. Like um, Amali, for example, he, he respects Duchess. I mean, he, yeah, he's cocky and swaggy and all the rest of it and he helps her out, but he doesn't do it in a stand-aside little lady kind of way. You know, he cares about her and, he, you know, he cares about her family and he wants to be part of that. Uh, Duchess, again, maybe not the strongest female character there, but she has principles and she holds to them. You know, she, she refuses O'Malley in, in the end, not not because of uh, she wants to go back to her place of wealth, but because she has a sense of loyalty to her mistress. So she refuses a life with the cat that she loves. The Lion King, as I have said, with, you know, with all its glitzy, beautiful, glamorous exterior, at its heart, it has some disturbing imagery and some disturbing stereotypes. Fair enough. Duly noted. And Stacey, you now have one a minute to answer to those accusations and summarise why Lion King is the best Disney film ever made and why The Aristocats is not. Your time starts as soon as you start talking. The Lion King's legacy lives on today. It is iconic. It has these incredible, beautiful animation that is still just everywhere in pop culture. I've spoken to the music, which is so catchy, so beautiful, so singable, and just adds this whole new dimension to the story. We've got this incredible techniques from the animators that at the time was never been seen before, was really amazing. We've got this incredible cast who just voice acted everything out of this movie. Um, it made an incredible amount of money in sales. Everybody's got a well, I'm gonna, everyone's got a copy of this at home because it's amazing and the message of taking responsibility for your actions, standing up um, against wrongdoing, living up to your duties and your expectations, taking responsibility and coping with the death of a loved one was incredible. Incredible. All right. Right on time. No need for the bell. All right. Well, I have some tabulation to do, so please, while I do that, tell each other why you do enjoy the other person. Oh, oh no. Last minute Julie. fact check. Fact check. <laughs> Yo, I personally do not own a copy of The Lion King. <gasps> One. No, no, no. How can you I not? So that's, oh, okay, so that's one, two, three. I think we're even. <laughs> okay, well. A little uh, whimsy yes. in there for you. <laughs> so please take this time to tell each other why you like the other person's film. I love The Aristocats. It's one of my favourites from a kid and I think it actually um, started some part of my love for jazz music, um, even though there's little problems as an adult when you watch it, but um, now. But I really loved it. I really loved the music and I um, – there's some beautiful characters, other than as deep as I would like. There's some beautiful O'Malley and Duchess just sing on screen together. They're so beautiful, um, and the scenery. Oh, the scenery! Watching it again, <gasps> so beautiful. I just, I was um, just watching it and bits of it today. And I'm like, oh, I just want to frame that like background. It's beautiful, beautifully done, gorgeous. Okay, so The Lion King is, oh, again, it is, yes, it is a beautiful, fantastic film. And when I'm not thinking about capitalist patriarchy, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, the, the music, particularly not so much the, the songs but just the musical score that underlies it, the, the, the African rhythms and mm. that sense. I mean, when the opening scene, it's just that music is just like, whoo, bang, picks you up and, yep, I'm back mm. in Africa. Um, 
And I love, you know, and there's some wonderful characters like the little, little meerkat and the, the wildebeest and um, mm. little warthoggy guy. Sorry, I can't mm-hmm. remember their names Pumba. at the moment. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah, fabulous characters and fabulous characterization. It's just so much fun. Oh, Nathan Lane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he can do no wrong. He's so fabulous. <laughs> so fabulous. So, yeah, a bit um, heartbroken that I have to debate against Risk Cats. But I say that every time because... Disney. Every Disney movie. It's like that, isn't so it? I've got to argue again. I've got to do what to I Disney know. It's awful. <laughs> it's all. You feel so horrible, but um, I was traumatized for weeks by Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, that was. I loved listening to that episode. That was fantastic. Okay. Well, compliments to the podcast aside, <laughs> I have tabulated the scores, and. Look, let's go through. Oh, gosh. Let's go through. <laughs> Just drag it out, why don't you? I'm so <laughs> stressed right criteria now. Criteria by criteria. The music was always going to be a tough one mm. in this particular debate because I love the Aristocat soundtrack. All of the performing artists in it as well. Um, Disney, I don't know if this is the first time they did it, but they've really learned from this that lesson in the Aristocats of getting recognised artists and voices and musicians involved in the movie as a selling point. Um, and, Roz, you did really well listing like out all of those because, again, you had to go up against Elton John and Tim <laughs> Rice and just the, I'm going to borrow your word, iconic, iconic. nature <laughs> of the Lion King soundtrack. Um, so there were a lot of arguments for both of your movies not a lot against it in the music, but 10 times platinum, Lion King took out the music. Um, I love the music in both of them. I think it's just weight of numbers went in the Lion King's favour this time. Um, However, the message, uh, I think... Stacy, you were you argued a lot about the 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 iconic moments <laughs> of uh, the Lion King, but you didn't really focus in on the messages yeah. that were given. Like you did, Mufasa's death is of course a, a hugely a turning point in some ch- on some children's lives and mm. concept of life and death. But I think Roz, you did so well arguing that like that the Aristocats is a very simple movie with a very simple message and nothing really detracts from that. It doesn't it doesn't treat any of its characters poorly to get this really positive message across. And so the Aristocats took out the the message. Um Yeah, you you argued that really well. And also that Disney touch went to the Aristocats. Um uh Stacey argued a lot for what Disney did to pave the way for Lion King, but I think, Roz, you argued uh, most for what Disney did in the Aristocats that no one else would have thought to have done with a a movie about singing cats. Now, memorable moments. Uh, I think, again, weight of numbers works in Stacey's favour <laughs> in this round because there were seven or eight that she just listed off right at the top of her debate. And so the memorable moments went to the Lion King because, again, who hasn't held up a pet <laughs> or a stuffed toy like their Rafiki on Pride Rock? <laughs> Twice today. <laughs> 
And so it comes down to the movie Magic. And I'm going to go on record mm. as saying that The Lion King is the better Disney film. <gasps> <laughs> oh, I'm so stressed. Oh, when I knew I was up against Roz, I was like, oh, no. I need to have like 500 times the notes I've already prepared. Uh, it is, again, The Lion King really was a turning point for Disney in their use of not only in the use of animation but also in how they put movies together, uh, the stories that they were telling, the formula that they were using. And I think, Stacey, you did you did Lion King justice bringing all that into the debate. Um, <sighs> Roz, you also did that with the Aristocats, but I just think there was less to work with. Mm. And so this was a really well-argued debate, ladies. Congratulations to oh, both of you, yeah, specifically to you, Roz. So good, Roz. You had me... Spun about, <laughs> spun about he was in, shook. In, in your rebuttal. Uh, so congratulations um, and congratulations, Stacey, for taking uh, it out for The Lion King. I think if I didn't I would be murdered. <laughs> <laughs> like someone would shoot me on the street. We will Ooh. be seeing you again in the second round to continue your arguments for The Lion King and the debate might not be over for the Aristocats. I don't know what the general public's feeling will be, but if you think <laughs> that I have made the wrong decision, go on Facebook. There will be a poll. If you're listening to this, it's already there. And if you think Aristocats deserves to be in the next round alongside the Lion King, vote for it in that poll and it might get through as a wild card. So before we say goodbye, Stacey, is there anything you would like to tell our audience, any way you'd like them to find you or anything you want to plug coming up? Look, I would just like to say continue listening, listeners, um, and let us know how we're doing. I want to hear from the people on the Facebook. Tell your friends. Like, yeah, tell your friends and, like, talk to us. I want to know what arguments you liked, what you agreed with, what you didn't agree with, you know. I just I want to hear. That's what I want to hear on oh, the Facebook, you. on Disney vs. Disney Debates, on the <laughs> Facebook. Tell me. Tell me all about it. I want to hear will, it. And this will be coming out tomorrow, um, if that makes any difference to either of you. Roz, is there anywhere that, or anything you would like to plug? I would actually just like to second what um, what Stacey said. Yeah, let's have more of let's extend the debate. Let's yeah. debate the debate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's I'd do to, it. I'd love to hear Flame more about more people. <laughs> bring it on. Yeah, I yeah. want to bring your gift game. That's mm-hmm. yes. bring your best gift game. Come. And both of these films are very giveable. Um, I know that I've used both Lion King and uh, Aristocats uh, gifts on Twitter just today. So thanks again to Julie for fact-checking us all the way to the end. Oh, thank Yay. you, team. <laughs> and we will catch you next week. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. And you can find us online always at thatsnotcanon.com. We'll catch you next time. Keep listening to Disney, everyone. Politics. Why can't everyone just get along? 
Yeah, like in musicals. Musicals fix everything. If people listened and learned from musicals, everything would be better. Music, lights and spontaneous choreography. What isn't there to love? If you want to learn all of life's important lessons... Or just listen to some musical theatre nerds wax lyrical... Subscribe to Musicals Tell Me Everything I Know, wherever you find fun and funny podcasts. Or at our website at thatsnotcanonproductions.com. A That's Not Canon Productions podcast.